Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Ways of Working podcast. I am your host Adam Thackeray. I want to thank you again for listening in. We would greatly appreciate it. Uh, if you haven't tuned into our previous episodes, highly encourage you uh, going back to have a listen. Um, but without further ado, let's get started. So last time we spoke about emotional intelligence and its importance for understanding not only yourself and others at work and how it can also make you a kick-ass parent as well. And so we talked about some of the relationships that exist or the, the similar patterns that exist between you know, parenting and you know, how you deal with things at work. So if you haven't checked it out, it, it's really great. It does have some correlation with you know, all the other episodes we're gonna be doing. So I would encourage you to, to have a listen. Uh, again, I'm your host, Adam Thackeray, and we are here to talk today about flow and flow at work. And, you know, flow is one of those top three key reasons why things, unfortunately, usually go to shit at work. If you have bad flow, things don't go well. Um, it's, pretty, it's pretty much that simple. And, you know, flow is understanding the end-to-end mechanics that make up, you know, a particular product or service, all this dependencies, tech processes, the, the system, if you will, and, and people as well. It's understanding all of it. Um, it's also known as this, uh, system thinking. And, you know, this was really carved out by William Deming, you know, some 60 years ago now. He had 14 different management principles or practices for optimal organizational performance. And so a lot of the practices you see, lean, agile, DevOps, uh, and those at scale, adopt system thinking and consider it a fundamental piece. And so flow stems from that. Uh, Gene Kim, very popular, as well as Dr. Mick Kirsten, um, both very popular in the lean, agile, DevOps, and product-focused world. Uh, They talk about it, and Gene Kim says, you know, flow is the emphasis of the performance of the, the entire system as opposed to the performance of a specific silo of work or department. So if everything is gelling well and flowing well, then you're going to see high performance and great delivery. If you have things that are siloed, then you're gonna run into issues. You know, so when you understand how flow works in your team and the network around you and your organization, life is great. Because by understanding flow, then you are wise to the people, tech, processes, and interdependencies that are required to make businesses run, your team run, and serve your customers best. You know, without flow, you get too many handoffs, you get bad or terrible communication, you run into trust issues and relationship issues within the organization. This can bring about toxic cultures. You inevitably get lag and churn in work, and nobody actually understands the tech that that actually is end-to-end. You know, how many times have you heard somebody ask for, you know, the architecture in a particular product and they can't tell you because the person who wrote that is no longer there and it hasn't changed in five years. Or if there are requirements and nobody understands how the business works uh, because nobody actually goes and talks to the customer to see what their experience is. So you get a lot of these, you know, fundamental issues that you can run into quite easily if you're not understanding flow. And so flow can be easily actually articulated through the use of value streams and basic operating models. So there's very clear ways on how to do this. It's not rocket science, but it takes effort and it, and it takes a focus and attention and an investment to do it. And you know, value streams can help articulate this end-to-end flow of a particular product uh, or service offering. And because you should be tying most of your organizational efforts towards products or services because that's how you are serving your customers. Now, I can hear some internal groups, maybe like HR or others that are screaming, well, wait, our 
customers are the employees. And you know, while that's true, in the end, you are servicing and looking to serve your external customers in the end to drive the business. So inadvertently, you are helping drive that as well. And that's part of understanding your value and your contribution to the overall organization and, and how that fits into things. And so by everyone having an appreciation of where they fit and they're all driving towards the same vision and passion, then you can start to attribute that to your flow as well. And so, unfortunately, most organizations uh, are not likely empowering people to do this today, uh, to think and act in this way. And leaders may not be set up to necessarily, um, you know, with the necessary mechanics to shift towards uh, a product-focused way of working. Uh, it may not make sense for your organization. In most cases, it does. Um, and, and this is something that, you know, to be uh, competitive in this day and age, in this age of software, which is what Dr. McKirsten writes about, um, you know, you really have to adapt yourself to uh, be competitive. And so leaders need to shift towards this. Uh, you're in business to serve your customers and customers expect more now. Now, does all this sound crazy? Not so much really. It, you know, this is what high performing teams do now. And organizations, they roll with this regularly. It is their status quo. And they actually can't understand why everyone else isn't doing this and why they aren't you know, uh, operating this way. They can't actually fathom it. It seems backwards to them. You know, so think about how many times, you know, I talked about this before just a little bit, you know, who can show me how a product works end to end, you know, from the, the, the minute you, a customer engages with it all the way through to working with the business experience and the, and the first touch points through to you know the inner mechanics you know you might think of this as below the iceberg and what happens behind the covers of that product or service sort of technologies that it engages with the type of developers how it stays alive 24 7 to support it like who understands that end to end in most cases most cases nobody um, and there's not even a place where you can point people to go to to say how does this work end to end so if you're not going to remember all of it even having a reference point is usually not there Generally, it's like, oh, that person's gone, or we don't actually know, um, or here's this document, go look at it. And you look at the doc and it's actually expired and hasn't been touched in 10 years. And the, the worst one is, is, well, they were here, but now they're gone and they were a consultant, so we don't actually have anything. And that's not great either, because that doesn't help for self-sustainability um, of your organization. And so, you know, this also comes into the point of, if say you're new to the organization, you know, not even those who exist, what happens if you're trying to onboard and you join a new product team and you want to understand things. Give me the end to end so that you can actually function, get rolling, jump into the thick of it. You know, you're, you're, you're very eager. You've started, you want to, you know, have somebody you can go to with questions. You want the knowledge space. Is there a community to engage with? Are there, you know, process diagrams, any of those sort of pieces. Most of the time, none of it exists. Or if it is, it's usually expired and nobody's supporting it or keeping it up to date. And the problem is, is that nobody thinks in this way. And if they do, um, there might be a couple reasons as to why things haven't shifted. They're not being supported by leaders. They might be blatantly ignoring it, um, or they don't feel that they can, you know, support it themselves. And so, you know, there needs to be more focus on flow and the overall systems. This is um, otherwise it's detrimental to the health, culture, and eventually profits of your business. You know, yeah, you're likely losing truckloads of cash because of the lack of flow. You know, there are times where there are silos and you actually run into more lag um, in between doing the work, just waiting for somebody else to do something than the actual work taking place. So think of all the people hours that you could get back if you had flow and you'd be running at an optimal pace. You have a then, in, an, in essence, a high performing team. You have a high performing organization. 
And so, you know, I, I mentioned before, there are flow frameworks out there. Dr. McKirsten writes about it in Project to Product, um, which is a really good one. Uh, you can also utilize something in parallel called an operating model canva uh, canvas, which uh, there's a book out there written by Andrew Campbell, Mikhail Gutierrez, and Mark Lancelot. Um, this goes into, uh, you know, what is the value stream and then what are all the dependencies that make it up, everything from the physical property to the processes to the tech to the governance. And so they're, they're very effective, they're very lightweight, which is very important. Again, it's, I always have a thing where I say, you want process for progress. Things that are gonna progress your organization and advance it, you don't want process for the sake of process. You know, putting something in there just because somebody thinks that'll add some rigor. It has to actually have value and progress the organization. If it doesn't, you shouldn't be doing it. You know, now, so frameworks aside, you know, we'll, we'll put notes in the, in the, in the show notes for it. Um, we're not going to get into detail about those uh, this time around. Um, one of the things that I think is almost more important than the models themselves, because um, they kind of bolster the whole mindset and thought process, is that is, you know, how do I shift others to get it? How do I get people to shift their mindset and behaviors to consider flow in everything they do? You know, if I'm working on this, how does it align to, you know, what we're doing overall? You want to move past the, you know, the few evangelists in the organizations in the organization and get to scaling this. And you know, to show the value of all these aspects outside of, you know, not only your immediate circle or your immediate community, you know, but how do I really move past this so there's a widespread adoption? And you know, is this more work? Well, in the beginning, yes, great things don't come uh, easily and there will be a lot of churn. You'll have a lot of pushback, um, but you know what? It, it's worth it. You, you will begin to see the value and people will begin to see it. Um, and which is why most don't do it because it is hard work. It is difficult because it is a very different shift in the way people think and you're getting them to go past their hurdles, go past their empire building, go past the silos, their traditional ways. You know, the way we've always done it for 20 years is this. Why are you, why are you trying to rock my boat with this now? And even with profitable companies, they, they don't necessarily want to look at it because they're like, well, we're generating profits and we're looking at the next quarter and things look great. And that's a problem as well, is they need to look past it, look at the system and, and its impact, not only now, but down the road as well. And so that's a big piece of system thinking as well, is not only thinking um, you know, the impact of today, but tomorrow and the next five to 10 years, you know, even 20 years if you, if you can conceptually look at it and, and go from there. Now, perhaps you've never heard of flow or system thinking, and this is all new to you. And if so, that's awesome. I'm happy you have tuned into this and listened to me talk about it. And I, I'm very thankful for that. And I, I'm happy to introduce you to it. And if you want more, we're always happy to, you know, I'm always happy to, to talk with individuals and give you lots of references. You know, I by no means invented any of this, but I do have a strong passion for it and love it and can talk endlessly about it. Um, and so that's awesome. And so congrats on you know your newfound adventures and learning about flow and system thinking. It's important to get foundational about it so that you understand, and then it allows you to focus you know on more important things as you stop to adopt as you start to adopt flow. So once it's in there, you have this foundational flow of end to end of your product or service, and then maybe at the enterprise level, this allows people to then move towards focusing on creative work, thinking, collaborating, delivering, you know, contributing back, such as you know, build, building components. This is where innovation can drive from because you're not working on prevent, um, you're not working on busy work anymore. You're, you're moving away from that so that it's either automated or it, you've gotten rid of, you know, the handoffs of the silos and you've moved towards this more collaborative 
social-based learning and social-based uh, contributions within the organization. And this helps drive high-performing teams as well. So you'll start to see how things are all interconnected as well, how flow, uh, communications, learning, all these pieces are all tied together in some form or another. Uh, they are important to talk about on their own as well to emphasize what they're about and, and you know, what's great to understand about them. You know, and I can't, so with that, I do constantly see pitfalls of people not understanding flow. So you have large programs where people, you know, can't see what's going on. The vision is not easily articulated, which then doesn't describe what the product um, is expected to do, what the current state of the product is, where you would like the product to go. What does it look like from, you know, a business, technology, process, people, perspective, and who's all involved? These things are usually not easily articulated. And unfortunately, that generally drives a lot of problems within programs because people have to make a lot of assumptions. They don't have the data or the information they need. They may or may not have the knowledge and wisdom and experience of, you know, working on this particular product or service in the past. And so then they have to make assumptions. And assumptions, yeah, everyone makes them at some point because there's calculated risks that you have to take, but there is no joke And when you say it makes an ass out of you and me because if you had the right data, then you could probably make a better, more conscious decision about it. Now, imagine if you had that, you know, it would be quite powerful. It's actually a competitive game changer um, for you as an organization or as a group within that organization. Um, if you have this flow, because then you have this understanding, there aren't those assumptions that need to be made. Uh, transparency goes away because everyone's aware of what end-to-end -end flow looks like. You know, it's complex and it takes time and again, collaboration, but knowledge sharing and, and you know, people try to keep knowledge. They find that if I hold on to my knowledge, that's some sort of, you know, saving my role or it's, you know, protecting things, those people don't need to know about it. And that's a, a very old world way of thinking. Transparency is key. Um, there is, you know, at points where knowledge needs to be um, limited to certain audiences, but 95% of the time, that's not the case. Knowledge sharing and social-based learning is actually a way for things to grow and enable, and it builds trust because people understand it, they can have empathy towards you, and you can start to build better relationships. They wanna contribute and help you out because you're sharing with them. And so this especially holds true with people that you work with on a regular basis. So if you're thinking in that old way, you know, where I don't want to share my information, oh, that's not a good idea. I see it as a sign of weakness by me not, you know, by, by sharing that. Or if I don't know something, I don't want to ask it. All that needs to go away. You need to be sharing. You need to be asking for help. It, you know, it's detrimental if you do not do this. You know, it's one of those things where it's almost backwards, again, a way of thinking by not operating in this, you know, new manner of understanding flow. And so, I, you know, what am I trying to get at here? So we've gone through a whole bunch of stuff that says, you know, why flow is a problem if you don't understand it and why flow is advantageous, um, you know, if you do have sound flow within the organization. Um, so now I want to get into, you know, how do you get better at flow? Well, to start, again, the management practices of the past will not work here. You need to adapt. You need to look at lean, agile, DevOps practices. Those are just some of them. Uh, these are all, in the end, ways of working, like the podcast. They're, they're ways of working. They're ways of uh, that people need to interact and work. And depending on how your organization is made up uh, and what you need will determine you know, how you implement these, how you use them, what you actually utilize out of them and any of these practices. And this is how a lot of times, you know, we're not gonna get into agile fatigue and that sort of stuff, but this is what happens when people just try to stuff in, 
a practice and, and just force feed it because they don't look at what do I need as an organization? What are the problems I have? And then how do I adopt the practices to suit that? And so that, that's a fundamental item. The next one is you need leadership on board. So you need executives on board, you know, find those who get it, who get these practices, get flow, and that it resonates with them and, and build it and work with it. They, these leaders need to understand, you know, what are value streams? What is flow? Leaders need to want to learn it as well. So it's, it, learning is always a mutual, um, a mutual thing where one person is providing the knowledge, in this instance, say flow, and the recipient needs to actually want to learn it. They need to be curious about what it means, what the value is, and that they see, oh, okay, this is going to be good for us as an organization. If they don't, you're, you're gonna have problems and you need to move on to another executive. And so if they don't understand, then it gets really hard for them to be behind it and support it, invest in it, it it's going to cost money, Getting, to, getting flow takes a long time, and so there's investment with this. And so you need them on board, you need them to evangelize on it, and you need to see how that, you know, the, the concept of flow fits into the overall system. You also need middle management on board. So while you have executives there, you need middle management there because they're the ones who are gonna be driving, delivering, and executing this in conjunction with their teams. And so you need them on board so that they <clears throat> have a, an acute awareness, they understand what is ex expected of the executives, they understand where things are at with the practitioners and their teams, so that they can then drive forward, you know, whatever the, the overall strategy is for understanding flow for that product or service. Now, with all this, you're not looking to consensus build, uh, rather the, op not the opposite, but you're, you're, you're going to have people that will disagree with this, but you need to, again, evangelists and practitioners in middle management, ensure that they have the support they need as well. They have the information. They, they see visibly the support of the executives. That's very apparent to the practitioners. The practitioners are very aware of things because in the end, this builds trust. This builds the team up. This gets everyone on board so that end to end, from a people perspective, people know that they have the support to, to go about and start doing and understanding the flow of the product or service that you're working with. The next one is getting rid of ego. So there are a lot of people that think, well, this isn't my problem, or this part of, you know, the product we're delivering is not my problem. I developed it, you know, testers go test it, or the business is just force feeding stuff to the technology group and saying, I don't care how you do it, just get it done and let me know when it's done. Well, this isn't helpful whatsoever, because again, if you don't have an end-to-end -end understanding, you can't see the value in things. You can't see how to make the experience better. You can't understand why the investment is there with these particular technologies, why you know things break when they do. Again, if you have this understanding, it becomes more about instead of not my problem to how can we fix this problem together? And so when you understand flow, then it becomes very easily apparent of how you can work together. And so get over yourself, get rid of your ego and work as a team because that's gonna help you drive your flow. And so this ties into the next one, you know, with understanding flow, you gotta to talk to your network. So this is your immediate group you work with. These are the people that um, are in the circles that you are, are working with. You might grab a coffee, schedule lunch and learns. You might have an internal community or tribe. If you don't have any of these, I would highly recommend you start doing them or forming them. You wanna be curious. 
if there's something you don't understand, again, ask for help. Ask for someone else to understand, you know, so that you can understand the way things work. If you find that you're getting pushback from a, you know, a group of individuals like uh, colleagues that you work with, then that is a problem. That's a toxic culture at work. And so if people are not willing to be helpful, then they're no longer useful either. And so you need to start to figure out how you can shift the organization and the behaviors there or get support to do so, so that people are willing to help and so that your network will wanna grow and they will wanna share things across the board. Now, you wanna start in one area of the organization and actually record the value streams and flows. So when we get down to it, you actually have to do the work. So once you understand what flow is about, what value streams are about, you need to actually do the work. And you need a solid person or, or group of individuals who are not only great at doing value streams, but also can facilitate sessions. So you need people that are, um, can ask great questions, can pull information out of you know, audiences that are not so willing to give it or they're quiet and they just don't know how to get, they don't how to know how to get the ball rolling. So strong facilitators will help exercise this. They can make tense situations light. They can actually ask the right questions to pull information out even when they don't know entirely about the product or service that, we're, that they're dealing with. And then they can then translate that to say what the flow will look like. And again, this takes time and work, don't rush it. Um, focus on one area, but don't be lazy with it either. Don't wait for those teams to initiate with you. Again, you're gonna need a strong facilitator and organizer to help um, get this work done. And again, you don't need to do an enterprise overhaul to, to get started, nor should you, or else likely it'll never happen. You'll end up wasting a tremendous amount of money um, in doing so. Um, and so that's it. So those are six big steps. There's a lot of pieces before flow um, that I went through. Um, I'm open to questions. So, you know, drop your questions in some of the, the links that we provide. Uh, that is it for this week. So thank you very much for joining. Again, I'm your host, Adam Thackeray. I uh, really appreciate you listening, always in for uh, collaboration and chatting. So if you ever want to learn more, you have questions, you have rebuttals, anything like that, would love to get into great conversation. Um, but tune in next time, we're gonna get into what's called feedback loops. So feedback loops are a form of communication that takes place across uh, various groups and teams in the organization. And communication is typically the number one issue at work. Uh, LinkedIn. Uh, and Jeff Weiner recently did a survey a couple years ago, I think perhaps, or less, and communication is still the fundamental problem at work. Uh, decades of advancements and still the main problem. So anyways, we'll get into that. So thank you very much for joining, really appreciate it. This is Adam Thackeray signing off, thank you.